Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arena Craft Podcast, a show dedicated exclusively to Magic the Gathering Arena. My name is Arjuna. I'm joined today, as usually always, most of the time always, by my favorite other host, Kova Blue, the one and the only CGB. How are you today, my friend? Hello, I am great because my presence announces that the theme of the episode is not mono green. <laughs> you don't know that, buddy. Silence. Frowny face. <laughs> Silence. Okay, if I want to keep my podcast co-host, I have to be careful about how I proceed here. <laughs> so, okay, today we have a lot of fun stuff to talk about. As we are recording this, the Players Tour Finals are actually happening at the moment, and we're going to be spending some time today just looking at some of the deck lists registered for that, talking a little bit about the meta game, talking about a fun newcomer on the scene in Standard, and um, we also may get to some discussion about Historic as well today, because of course Historic is up, and uh, also maybe perhaps some juicy banning discussion. So there's a mm. lot for you today. First of all, I just wanted to brighten Covert Go Blue's mood a little bit by um, reading some of these wonderful iTunes reviews that we have received. Now, a couple episodes ago, I put out the call for some people to leave some reviews stating their various opinions on Covert Go Blue because he's such a charming and wonderful human being. And so we're going to make good on that. Are you ready, CGB? Yeah, I'm sure that this will be nothing but positivity just radiating in. I'm excited that you could have this as a part of the show, quite honestly. You're welcome. And let's dive in. Okay. So we're going to start with the, the original, the OG, left by R.K. Chapman, the, uh, the review that started this all off. On June 1st of this year, R.K. Chapman said, CGB is the best, double exclamation mark. He is the best. Subscribe now. I feel like a third exclamation point is minimum required. I give oh, that really? like a B. Oh, really? All right. Yeah, I'm not very impressed. So five stars and two exclamation marks weren't enough for you. All right, you, you heard it here first. CGB just needs that third one to really go the distance. All right. Uh, next up, we have Retcon leaves another review saying, CGB is an adequate human being. I'm sorry, buddy, you only reached adequate. And the other guy is okay, too. So I guess that's two, two for two. Not sure I get the fake accent, though. Oh, burn, dude. <laughs> Ooh, this was supposed to, they were supposed to come at me, not you. They were supposed to come after me. I put myself in the line of fire, all right? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. But then on a positive note, they say, on a more serious note, both hosts obviously enjoy MTG, have their own opinions on what makes the game fun, which makes their banter that much more enjoyable to listen to. Met is well represented, as well as the ways to break it. So thank you, Retcon. That one took a turn for the better. All right, um, JF Toa says cgb doing cgb things your boy cgb got me to mythic the first two months i played on arena straight up barista with those brews love the podcast and content yeah there we go yeah there you go thank you get that flex frothing up some mtg lattes over there uh where's my latte dude is this my job 
Is that is that what co-host does? You didn't. That was not in the job description. You know, it's it's been added. All right, by popular request. <laughs> Next up, we have BTY the KRGU CGB the boss. CGB is the best white blue controller, which I think we can all agree is true. I think Gabrielle Nassif has something to say to me about that. Okay, but. but I appreciate being in the in the discussion. When when we get Gab on the podcast, uh, when we tear him away from his own podcast, by the way, he's been uh, on a podcast called, is it uh, Monday Meta? Monday Meta is Martin Yuza. Oh, that's um, right. Mid-week this is Midweek Meta. Yeah, Midweek Meta, Midweek Meta game, maybe. Anyway, that's a really excellent podcast. Go check that one out as well. And then we have Underdog8274, CGB equals GOAT. You heard it here first, folks. That's right. CGB is... Oh, get get this. CGB is a gentleman of atrocious tastes. G-O-A-T. There's the roasting I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, here's the roasting you deserve. Sadly, he is a lover of blue-white control. I know the truth hurts. But on the other hand, he is one heck of a content creator. So go subscribe to this podcast and his YouTube channel. What are you waiting for? I promise you won't regret it. Thank you, underdog. Just telling the truth like it deserves to be heard. Can't deny it anymore. Out of that control closet, as everybody knows. Finally, uh, TTT3330 says CGB is okay. Great podcast and something to look forward to each week. So Yes! <laughs> you got an okay, my friend. Yes, I'll take it. Thanks to everyone who left those and uh, keep them coming and I will read them and make CGB blush on the episode. All right, we won't faff about anymore. That's a good English saying there, faffing about. With all of this nonsense, we're going to get straight into this hard and fast MTG content. So CGB, before we jump into the PT finals today, or I guess as a way to introduce the PT finals today... I wanted to get your take on this mono white deck, which exploded into the standard meta last weekend by taking down the Red Bull Russia tournament. I I mean, I think it's safe to say this is a deck that basically nobody saw coming. And it also is running some cards that you and I had debated rather spiritedly on the podcast. So I'm kind of excited to jump into that. So I present to you listeners and covert go blue. The mono white aggro list created by Hoshi Yuki, which took down the Red Bull Untapped International Qualifier number three. This deck is running the Creature Suite, Four Hunted Witness, Four Selfless Savior, Four Giant Killer, Four Garrison Cat, Four Venerated Loxodon, Four Seasoned Hallowblade. So the only creatures in this deck that are not one drops are the Loxodon and the Hallowblade. Followed up by that is a fun sorcery that none of us thought would ever see play in standard for Basri's Solidarity. In the enchantment slot, we have not one, not two, not three, but four copies of Glorious Anthem. So we'll let that one sink in for a moment. And then in the instant slot, we have three Unbreakable Formation, four Raise the Alarm, and 21 lands in the form of 17 planes, four Castle Ardenvale, the sideboard has just various sideboardy things. CGB, we have winning, not, not just doing all right, but taking down a tournament, a white deck running 
glorious anthem. What do you what do you think about this, my friend? You told me this card would be unplayable, man. <laughs> it is. He spits out his. I water. mean, <laughs> clearly, clearly, Hoshi Yuki agreed as he, you know, laughed all the way to number one at this tournament. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I still don't think it. I, I it might be the worst card in the deck. Okay, but bold statement. Here's the thing. Bold statement. Here, here's the thing. Anthem critical mass. You have a deck here. It's got like 28 creatures, and then it has 4, 8, 12, 15 anthems. 15 ways to pump the squad. One of those is a creature that buffs everything. Two of those are spells that leave permanent plus one, plus one counters. One of them is an enchantment that doesn't create its own battlefield presence. It does amplify everything else. So I do think it's the worst card in the deck. I did play with this deck. I do have a video up with this deck. This deck, this deck is a one, is kind of a one matchup wizard. <laughs> it, it does one thing well. If your opponent is relying on, like, say, a sweeper or one or two large, powerful cards to control a battlefield, this deck goes around it. This, because it just, Puts out three or four small creatures, makes them bigger, makes them bigger, makes them bigger, and gets in. It just gets in for damage. I think I saw that day two of the Red Bull event, this deck went six. It played Teamer Reclamation for six rounds. It won all six. <laughs> it just crushed them. Just never lost. Oh, uh, that's awesome. Just so, I mean, we're looking at the product of a metagame, yeah, 100%. I, I, I think denying that would be foolish. Um, there's. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to Brazen Borrower their one or their two drop? Storm's Wrath? Storm's Wrath was a card that they turned to, that most of these decks turned to, right? Um, this deck laughs at you. Either our creatures get bigger than the Storm's Wrath, or we sacrifice a Selfless Savior, protect our Loxodon, discard a card to our Hollowblade, and we're still swinging for 10 or more. And you didn't do anything. You explosion something? Fine. I'll sacrifice myself a savior. You know, it's like you, you killed one thing. There are still 20 coming at you uh, that like, yeah, they just they can't actually clear the board. And the reason it works is because nobody's going to play the cards that punish this deck. Nobody. Um, there's no cry of the canariums. There's no extinction events actually making a difference in standard right now. Everybody wants to shatter the sky or they want to storm's wrath. And this deck does not care. Not even a little. And I think this deck was an amazing counterpunch that absolutely landed. It pretty much caught the meta only concerned about one thing, and it wasn't this. Look, if you look at the decks from Red Bull Untapped, which I did on my Monday stream, four main deck Aether Gust, four main deck Mystical Dispute. Yeah. Really? Really? Those yeah. cards, you know what those cards aren't good against? White weenie. <laughs> Oh my yep. gosh, are they terrible against this deck? And so then you sideboard, what do you bring in? Like some of them bring in Bone Crusher Giant. It's like, okay, you picked off one creature, and now I use my anthems or my giant killer and I walk right through your Bone Crusher Giant. They bring in Elder Gargaroth. Okay, I blow up your Elder Gargaroth. I have a giant killer. You know, it's, it's, they just had nothing. 
All the decks that this deck played against last weekend had nothing. And I'm excited to see what happens this weekend because I think that the word of this deck got out on Monday. Deck lists were due Wednesday. Like most people didn't see it coming. I bet most of the field didn't even change their reclamation decks not a thing about them to try to account for this deck. So it's, it is kind of interesting because I'm just looking at the numbers breakdown here and I see we have 5.5% of the field registered this mono white aggro deck and that for a total of eight players. Um, eight people, eight warriors of virtue. And so just to give you some reference, we have like nine mono green aggro players. We have seven John sacrifice players and then you know, basically the top, oh, 60, you know, 60%, 50, 60% of the field playing Bant Ramp Reclamation and Team of Reclamation. So I, I do think that against those decks, against any of the Reclamation flavors and any of the Bant flavors, I imagine that the Mono White Aggro deck has a definitely a reasonable shot. Um, just for the for the things that you mentioned, because it's just designed to play around sweepers, right? And I totally agree. This was such a genius metagame call because, because right around the time the person, you know, and I, I don't know actually who brewed this deck, right? So I don't know who we can kind of credit the, the uh, Anthem Tribal white deck to. But basically what they were seeing is that Mono Green was on the rise, right? And that we were, we were looking at like the main aggro decks that we were seeing in these tournaments that were doing decently were mono green and you had like the occasional like mono red player in the top eight, right? And so the main deck Ethergust was like a fine option. The Storm's Wrath was a fine option. And so just as these decks were like teching to get a bit more savvy in their aggro matchup, this white deck came along and swerved on them and was basically like, Screw all of your answers. My deck doesn't care about any of those. And I think in a metagame specifically like that, when your opponent is trying to get down a Teferi and Wrath Your Board and stuff like that, I think a card like Glorious Anthem can actually be pretty good because you, you play your Glorious Anthem, your opponent Wraths Your Board, and then you raise the alarm and you have two two twos ready to go. It also does things like your Hunted Witness dies and leaves a 2-2. There's a number of things about this which I think make the Glorious Anthem a better card than it might have other been in some other lists. Another thing, it makes your Seasoned Hallow Blade a 4-2, and neither of them die when the Sweeper comes down. So I think that there's just a lot about this deck which specifically makes a card like Glorious Anthem quite playable. I also thought it was interesting, you and I debated running the Anthem versus the Unbreakable Formation, and this deck just runs them all. Yeah. You gotta give me a little credit, that's my point. It's the critical mass. Definitely. Like, like it does have even the fourth unbreakable formation in the sideboard, you know? So, yeah, it just has all of it. It's, it's a critical mass of anthems that makes this possible. And if you had told me that we were also going to see Bassery Solidarity, it's like, okay, <laughs> this is just... It's not that we want this effect in the format, it's that we want, um, like, enough of this effect to make cards that normally don't matter into things that matter. That's yeah. that's what's going on. Yeah. That's why Anthem is getting played. 
the anthem, as I said on the podcast before, is at its best when you're running cards like Castle Ardenvale, like Hunted Witness, like Raise the Alarm. Cards which are making you tokens at instant speed, cards which are also not so susceptible to wraths. If you want to run Glorious Anthem in your decks, I think you need to be thinking about how do I go that extra mile to get every last amount of value that I can out of Glorious Anthem? Because I agree with you that you don't just want to plonk it in your average like low-curve Avro deck and call it good, right? You really you want like a critical mass of cards in your deck that reward you for having this enchantment, which basically just sits there and, and doesn't attack. Anyway, but a, a cool metagame call, and I'm really excited to see whether these decks do anything this weekend in the tournament, because that's really going to be the litmus test. And I, then I just wanted to quickly look over these decks registered for the tournament and see if we can derive any kind of interesting information from it. So let's go down the list and just read off these percentages and see if there's anything interesting to us about this. So we've got 39.3% of the field on Team of Reclamation to the surprise of nobody. We also have Four Color Reclamation at 15.2%. So this is just under half of the field playing Reclamation. Under? Over half the field, right? No, you're right. That is. So it's over half of the meta game. Yep. Playing essentially one deck, right? I don't I don't think we can call Four Color Reclamation fully its own archetype. <laughs> I, I don't know like how, how does that register to you cgb does that feel good to you that is what competitive magic has been since um oko oko i guess well what no not necessarily since golos field i think that was mm, yeah in recent memory that was the one where it just broke through we had i think a pretty diverse meta even through war of the spark because do you remember what was dominant in War of the Spark? I think it was like Sultai Midrange. Yeah, maybe deck. maybe Esper, Esper at Control some point? Mono yeah. Red with Experimental Frenzy. Okay, but I mean those weren't runaway. Those weren't like none of that was runaway. Clearly best, right? I, I think in Twitch Rivals during that time, I played a Mono White Aggro deck. I played a Sultai Midrange deck. I played an Esper Hero deck, like. There were even different ways to build, like between Control and Esper Hero and Midrange. And that was all pretty good stuff. And I, I think the first deck that just m- messed it up was as, as soon as Eldraine came out, it, it was Golos Field, right? And that's, I think the MC for that was an absurd amount of Golos Field, like over 40%. And then they banned it. And then the next MC was 70, 69, you'll never forget, 69% <laughs> Oko decks. And they banned it. And the next deck after that, the big thing was Fires of Invention. And, right. and so this has just been the way it is. The best deck has been clear and obvious in most of these MCs and Pro Tour events because it's the one doing the busted stuff that nobody can beat. It's the one that's cheating on mana and playing the absolutely stupid cards. And this time, uh, Team Erec is in it's, it's in the point position. This is Team Erec's time. And most people know now that it's better to play the busted deck than try to beat it. Yeah. And I think it's just an example of, like, we all knew that Wilderness Reclamation was a busted card. 
and it was just waiting for its time to shine in the metagame. Now, it did originally with uh, Nexus of Fate in Standard, right? Remember when you could play Nexus of Fate in Standard? That was a fun time. <laughs> it de- it never took over either. That was the War of the Spark meta, but it, it never took over. It didn't take it's over. It's kind of weird. It's weird that there were things keeping it in check. Well, I think, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to like piece it all out, right? But um, I think one thing is that counter spell decks were actually more viable and also aggro decks were a little bit more viable. And both of those had at least some kind of a plausible game plan against the Nexus decks as these, I don't know what I would call them, like fast mid-range decks came along, like low-curve mid-range decks came along. They really blew it up and made it not viable anymore. I guess what I want to highlight here is that we all knew that Reclamation was a problem. And one of the only reasons why people weren't playing Reclamation back in the day was that they just had more busted things to be doing, right? They were just like, yeah, I could play Wreck, but I'm just going to play Field because that's even more busted. Or I, you know, I could play Wreck, but I'm just I'm going to play Fires, right? It's my other kind of busted four mana enchantment. And the other thing was that we didn't have Shark Typhoon back in the day. There you go. There you go. We didn't have Castle Vantress. This deck has accumulated so many amazing follow-ups that it has just eventually become the de facto best deck. Anyway, I think the, the the thing that baffles me, and I think it baffles a lot of players, is that no one ever questioned, like no one ever questioned whether it was a busted card. It was just a question of at what point is is this going to rise to the top and be the strongest thing in the metagame? And we we finally have our answer, right? And it's basically just because they banned all of the all of the other Apex Predators were banned, and so this one was remaining. I, I want to add two things that are just kind of stupid. One, you also forgot to mention Uro as far as like just stuff they pick up along the That's way. That's true. Yep. Yep. Like just another win con that happens to gain life and makes sure that you never lose to aggro that isn't called mono white. And then uh, the other thing, when you talk about what was holding it back. So this PT is being done on arena. There were multiple MCs on arena. They just, it, I, I don't think it's a non-factor that the amount of time it used to take to tap your lands on arena like you could time out playing this deck tapping your lands for mana and it was really annoying and frustrating to play so they pat with a patch they add the qq command for those who don't know hit qq and you add all available mana to your mana pool it just floats all your mana and that was a way to like add all this mana from your wilderness reclamation triggers without having to do the manual tapping and here we are in an arena mc and now it's the most played strategy. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's not nothing. I'm, I, it picked up like 5 to 10% because people aren't going to time out manually tapping their lands one by one. I, I, I'm, sure that's comp- I'm sure that's a thing. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's one thing. Most people are willing to do that at a tournament. High-level players are willing to do it at a tournament. But, like, testing on the ladder day in, day out, you know, in the months leading up to the tournament, like, that's where you really feel the squeeze, having to test with this deck. And so being able to just shave off all of that time as well is a is a huge get for people wanting to play this deck. So, yeah, anyway, well, I think we'll talk a little bit more later about that. I wanted to just keep moving down the list here and examine the meta game a little bit. So let's talk about, let's see, Bant Ramp we're seeing at a cool 11.7% 
of the field. And I don't know, I've, I've been listening to a lot of pros talk about this deck in the past week saying it just doesn't quite have what it takes to beat Reclamation. I mean, I don't think the verdict has come down definitively one way or the other, but that's kind of what people have been saying or what I've been hearing. Anyway, I wonder if you have any opinions on like why the people sleeving up Bantramp think that this is actually the best choice for this weekend. Bantramp has consistently proven itself in event after event, whether it's Red Bull, Star City, something of like that. You never see Bantramp with a win rate below 50%. At least I haven't. It's always in the uh, 52 to 55% range. So any deck that's like that, it's hard to say it's a bad choice for the weekend. Uh, in the tier rankings, it's been... Uh, through Channel Fireballs, like tier rankings, it's been number two for a while. On my tier list, it's been tier A, but Teamer Rec has either been the other tier A deck or it's been the S tier deck, and that's really the only difference. I'm kind of amazed that Teferi is losing that war, because if you had told me that Teamer Rec was going to be 40-some percent of the meta... Uh, 50-some percent of the meta, I would guess that a deck with four Teferi would rise to combat it in some way. But the deck just has too many tools against anything that you're hoping to keep on board, whether it's Brazen Borrower, Shark Typhoon, or Blast Zone. Like, these are things that can't be countered. These are things that are very hard to stop. It battles through all kinds of hate, and the Wilderness Reclamation itself creates a big mana advantage so that the Reclamation player can do multiple the multiples of these in a turn. And you might say, but Teferi stops them from casting spells. Yeah, but it doesn't stop them from charging a Blast Zone and untapping it and activating it. You know, that they just straight up kill your Teferi. It doesn't stop them from making a shark, a shark typhoon. And it, it's kind of bizarre that Teferi set up this world where counter spells were bad, and then suffered for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because now it, they're like, okay, well, I can't counter any spells, so I'm going to play these uncounterable activated ability spells like Blast Zone and Shark Typhoon to make sure that I can beat the Teferi without it. And Teferi's like, whoa, guys, whoa, guys, slow down. I... I I was hoping you'd just have these dead counter spells in your hand. I wasn't I wasn't ready for all this. Okay, this is this is too much. And yeah, I mean, I do still think that Bant I think Bant could still surprise people. I wouldn't be surprised if a Bant deck won this weekend. I think in the hands of an Andre Strasky, Apollo Vito Dama de Rosa, somebody who's really amazing at this strategy, that they could navigate a field of Team Rec. And it has all the powerful cards. And it's a more multi-dimensional strategy than Reclamation, but Reclamation is no one-trick pony. And uh, I, I think that the aggro decks trying to beat it by doing one thing super well uh, are probably playing the right game because the typical Bant Ramp player trying to say, we're going to play 20 turns and I'm going to come out the winner, I think that they're always surprised by what Reclamation can pull off. Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to say here is that even though Bant Ramp has some of the cards that look like tools to beat Team Rec, their cards just aren't as powerful. There's no other way for me to say it, you know? It's like there's no card in the Bant Ramp deck that can deal like 10 damage and draw cards, you know what I mean? There's, there's no card in the Bant Ramp deck that doubles your mana, right? And so... Okay, let's say that your opponent resolves to fairy. 
but you still have a wreck on the board. It's like you can you still double your mana. You can still dig with your castle. You can still put counters on your blast zone. You can still make a huge shock. You can still do all kinds of stuff. So even though Teferi is it's excellent counterplay against the deck, but it's not a panacea. And ultimately, it's like if you just lay out all of the cards of each deck and you look through them, it's like, okay, the Bant deck, it has some powerful cards. I'm not, you know, Teferi's a powerful card. Elspeth Conquer's Death is a powerful card. I'm not arguing against that. I mean, they both run Auro, right? But I just, it's like I look at the cards in the Team of Reclamation deck and like, like so many of these cards just go over the top right so many of these cards are just capable of killing you it, it like tima has so many kills in it and so i don't know and and you know it gets to play cards that have good counterplay to teferi it gets to play mystical dispute it gets to play the sharks it gets to kill teferi with scorching Dragonfire. it's a really good example of how you can look at a deck and say this deck has strong counterplay to another deck, but if the other deck is just has a really solid game plan, and if the other deck has multiple angles of attack, and if the other deck is just playing some of the strongest cards in the format, it can still get you. You know what I mean? So I think that that's just that's something to take away from all of this is that when a deck has enough angles of attack you just you can never it's like playing whack-a-mole you can never hope to just like keep all of them down with your game plan and if they're over the top is better than you're over the top they can still get you okay cool i I don't think that there's much innovation happening in the world of mono green aggro people are still playing it (laughs) what what coming from I, I thought you'd find innovation in mono green somehow. I, I, w- I was convinced you would find a way. You owe it to your fans. You know, okay, I, I will own up to not having done my full due diligence. I haven't poured over the latest mono green deck lists. What? <laughs> let's move up. Let's just be quiet. Move along. Move along. I mean, hey, I, I wasn't going to go into it, right? But... <laughs> I always challenge him. I like I get it. My fans expect me to have something to say when somebody sleeves up a control deck. Your fans expect you to say something about the veggies. All right? They 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 want their they want their pure vegetarian green recipes. Kale smoothie. Right? They want to know the exact ingredients of what you're cooking with. I'll tell you what these people are cooking with. They're playing questing beast, they're playing primal might. That, you know, that that's that's what they're doing that's what these decks are doing they're playing what did you say <laughs> primal might because if we're gonna talk about cards i got wrong for about uh the first 10 minutes of the show oh i mean i've you know i've been conceding that point <laughs> basically right. for the last month all right so. deal 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 good good deal so yeah so mono green aggro is doing mono green aggro things I'm not here to tell you this deck's going to win the tournament, but people are still playing it, and it's still, you know, like a top eight capable deck, I think for sure. I could say the same about John Sacrifice. I don't know that there's anything happening here, or Racto Sacrifice for that matter, that people don't. They're kind of a known quantity. Small percentages of the field, all these decks we're talking about are in the like six to four percent of the field percentages. Now, I am, I'm interested. Partially because of the conversation around Gabriel Nassif, that that we have three Azorius control players in this in this lineup for a total of two point one percent. 
Let's take a look at Gabriel Nassif's Azorius control. He did end up registering this, as was intimated. So, I don't know, CGB, do you want to just quickly read off Nassif's list for us here? You say quickly, but it's a Yorian deck. So, if you mono-green mages need to go to the bathroom, now might be the time. Okay, main deck. Two Yorian Sky Nomad. Two Archon of Sun's Grace. That's your creatures. That's it, baby. You're welcome. Yeah. That's what you cards, with. four creatures. Four Teferi Time Raveler. Four Narset, Parter of Veils. Three Shatter the Sky. Three Glass Casket. Four Elspeth Conquers Death. Four Shark Typhoon. Three Birth of Melitus. Two Omen of the Sun. Four Omen of the Sea. Four copies of Dovin's Veto. Two Mystical Dispute. Two Aethergust. Two Thirst for Meaning. 35 Land. Um... Can we just say a whole bunch yeah. of land? Um, but there is one Castle Ardenvale and two Field of Ruins for kind of the funky land. Sideboard has the Yorian Companion, two Aethergust, a Brazen Borrower, one Commence the Endgame, one Narset's Reversal, one Shatter the Sky, one Glass Casket, one Spectral Sailor, one Giant Killer, one Heliod's Intervention, one Archon of Sun's Grace, one disdainful stroke, and then, as if it was all one of two copies of Sky, of Sky Tether. Tether. That's that's one an white, one. a single white for an <laughs> enchantment aura that enchants a creature. An enchanted creature has defender and loses flying. So when something gains defender, it can't attack. So this is a one white enchanted creature, and it can't attack. And the reason you play it. Uh, as opposed to some other removal spell, I'm guessing, has a lot to do with, one, Archon of Sun's Grace can make a Pegasus token when you cast this, and two, if it's on the battlefield, you still control it, even if you don't control the creature. So Yorian can blink it and move it to another creature later in the game if you want to. And not that this is going to come up in this tournament, I don't think, but if, like, let's say your opponent had a uh, a hexproof Creature. creature any creature just some creature well yeah <laughs> well, well what i'm curious about is if your opponent had a um how about barkhide troll yeah okay Barkai let's say troll. that a barkhide troll and you blinked this with yorian it just comes back and it's not targeting and you can put it on anything right yes the rules are strange you like you could hit your opponent's dream trawler with this right Correct. Yeah. So that's just, that's a fun little interaction that people should know about. If you have any of these enchantments that lock down a creature or banishing lights or any of this and you blink them, um, you can get around hexproof, which is a pretty, it's a pretty cool little thing to know about. Not with banishing light. Oh, is that, is that a targeted effect? Yes. The banishing lights effect is targeted. The difference is that you're not targeting something. You're just, it's like, it's like you sneak the sky tether onto the battlefield and you choose what to attach it to. Right. And it just happens. Okay, There's no that's a good call. window to make it to make something hexproof and avoid it. Yeah, just a cool little interaction there. So okay. This you know what's interesting to me about this deck? It's not so very different in spirit from the deck which took down the world championship in the hands of Paulo Vitor Domodorosa. Now, obviously, it's gotten a nice little dose of Ikoria in it, but what has it really picked up from Ikoria here? It's got the Yorian, obviously, and it's got the uh, Shark Typhoon, 
But pretty much everything else, and I mean, these decks didn't use to run Omen of the Sun. Obviously, Yorian kind of makes that a more playable card. But that's kind of it, right? Like, isn't this basically just the world's winning deck updated for Ikaria? Oh, uh, this is what happens when you get an aggro mage looking at a control deck. It's so much more. <laughs> it's so much more. You could say that you could say something similar about Team Wreck that it's just the same reclamation deck, but Shark Typhoon just changes so many things um, in 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 such a number of ways. The like we don't need Dream Trawler as a win con because so often we'll either make a big shark and make sure we get a hit in it because Teferi protects the opponent from interacting with it, or we can just make a bunch of sharks, just land the Typhoon and start cranking out sharks. And there's a huge difference in the presence of counter magic from the Palo Vito Damodorosa build, not to mention that was a 60-card deck. I believe if we went back in time, you would see eight counter spells. This is That's an- true. That's what I'm missing. Yeah. That's what I'm missing. Yep. There are basically no what this. Oh, okay, there's six counter spells in the main deck. Yeah, here. this is an 80 card deck. Mm-hmm. It has six counter spells. Two of them are mystical disputes, which are barely a hard counter. Four of them are Dovin's veto. They can't even counter a creature. They can't touch a questing beast. They like the Dovin's veto is such a nod that we are really only specifically worried about a few things. This deck trusts itself to control the board completely. There's also three Shatter the Skies in the 80-card pile. They're not even, like, Nasif's not that worried about wrathing the board. It's, the battle is on the stack. The battle is in these game pieces like Teferi and Wilderness Reclamation that set up the, that just set you up for these big mana advantages and long-term advantages. It's really interesting that Nassif's still not afraid of 80 cards, and I think the main reason is it lets him play four copies of Omen of the Sea and four copies of Narset. He's just going to find what he needs and have it at the right spot. The best way that these decks can compete with Team or Reclamation is if you can veto explosions. If you veto explosions, and now we have a four Dovin's veto deck. I I doubt you're going to see many of those others in the tournament. But we can completely shut off the reload of that card with veto. The opponent can't counter the veto. There's like nothing they can do about it. They can play, they can get rid of your Teferi. They can play around everything else, but they can't counter that veto when it hits an explosion. So they have to win another way. And I think forcing them into that makes things awkward. Also... The Narset Teferi trap that you're trying to set up is very effective against them. It's one of the it's one of the true ways to see an unhappy team wreck player is to get those two cards on the battlefield with a veto in your hand. Obviously, Blast Zone, like we discussed, still messes it up. But if they can't explode and draw 50 cards, then you just work on putting it back together again. You just reassemble your your little prison for them to to uh, hang out in. And uh, yeah, I, I think I like this deck. I, it's got a lot of nuance to it. The three glass casket, just, uh, I, I think that that's, in this format, that's not a nod to aggro, or the, although it's good against aggro. I think it's a nod to Shark Typhoon and Nissa Lands. Like that's, um, and also a nod to Hydroid Crisis, which is kind of an annoying card to kill in the Bant, out of the Bant deck. It's in this weird place. And in a pinch, it locks down your opponent's RO. Yep, yep. You'll do that if you have to. 
Yep. And and another nice interaction is that let's say you glass casket your opponent's RO and then you end up blinking the glass casket. They will get another RO activation, but the RO won't return to the battlefield as a as a full-blown creature. So that's kind of a nice interaction as well. I think, you know, looking at this deck list, as a as a team of rec player, I would be much more terrified to play against this list than any of the bant lists that I've seen. This deck plays so many cards that can just grind you out of a long game. Like Yorian can just keep you going. Elspeth Conquers Death keeps you going. F- like the full four to fairy four Narset, neither of those cards does the rec player want to see, especially if they're just coming back from the graveyard, getting reset getting their loyalty bumped back up. It's like, I don't know, man. You've got to really, like, you got to kill this deck. <laughs> Good luck, yeah. This is, this is one of the few decks that I think is like, yeah, you want to win on turn 30? I can win on, you know, I can, I can win. We can go as long as you want. <laughs> like Blue-white clock, as we called on the Crokey's stream. Blue-white clock. Blue-white clock, right? So and and with Nasif piloting this, the clock is definitely going to be the biggest enemy here. So, <laughs> and Team Arek, uh, you got to be ready if you decide to run this deck. Anybody out there listening, if you just grab the Nasif build and go start battling, the Team Arek deck really wants to get to the sideboard and they want to grab their Night Pack ambushers and all of their counter spells. They want to abandon their their explosion game. So your vetoes actually get a little bit worse after sideboard. You have to be ready to fight the ambusher battle like on every axis you know what i mean that's why i think you see a a disdainful stroke that's why you see giant killer you know some of these strange looking cards in the sideboard the aether gusts of course but like it becomes don't don't be ready for the swerve don't be the person who like keeps in all their dovin's vetoes and thinks i'm just gonna set up to fairy and narset and veto and i'm going to win the post board game post board there's gonna be a wolf pack coming after you be ready yeah, that's a really good point. Really excellent point. But yeah, I think if you have the skill and the patience to play this deck, I think this deck is a really excellent way to attack the meta game. Neither of which I have, by the way. So, <laughs> you know, I'm speaking rhetorically. If one had the patience to play one of these decks, I think it would be a good choice. If one weirdo had the patience to play a weird deck that I don't like, they could do this, I guess. Yeah. Is, is is what I'm hearing over here, which is fine. This is one of these decks where, like, if it's not looking good for me by turn 7 or 8, I just concede on the ladder, you know? I'm just like, fine, do, do your Azorius thing. I don't even want to know what the follow-up is. I don't even want to know what narrative you put together for how you're winning this game. You can, you can take it. You can take the marbles. It sounds like your mono green deck has reps in the gym and a lot of muscle, but no cardio. <laughs> Can't go the distance, baby. Fortunately, I think in all of my time playing mono green in the last like couple of months, I don't think I've faced one of these decks once. Oh, I'll fix that. When and where, baby? Actually, I think I did face one once and it crushed me. So yep, yep, there you go. Wanna know. All right. There's a bunch of other stuff going on here and I don't necessarily think that we really need to dive in like are there any other cards uh, are there any other decks as we look down this list that jump out to you as something you'd like to highlight okay there's nothing here that i have actually looked at okay so this would just be me clicking because i'm interested 
And this says Esper Midrange. If it's just a Yor- if it's a Yorian deck, I'm gonna be like, all right, it's Yorian, we're fine. But I'm clicking. I'm I'm going in. Oh my god. Okay, are you ready? I'm gonna read you a deck. Don't look it up. Don't don't. Oh, look. okay. I'm, I'm gonna read looking. this to you. I'm not looking. I'm gonna read up. this to you. Four rotting Regisaur. Wow, in an Esper deck. All right. Yes, this is Esper Midrange. All right. This is. Uh, Kenta Hirane. This is one of the rather amazing Japanese brewers yeah. on tour. Yeah, right. he's a bamf. But we're starting there. Esper, four riding Regisaur. Give it some. Four me. Tithe Taker. Ooh, okay, okay. Nice counterplay against these rec decks. I like it. Two Kunaros, Hound of Athreos. Hmm, okay. You, all right, so this is Little the 3-3 R- three, three, Vigilance, Menace, Lifelink, can't enter from graveyard, can't cast spells from graveyard. Is it creatures or is it just everything? Players can't cast spells from graveyards. Can they get stuff back with ECD? Creature cards in graveyards can't enter the battlefield. Okay, they so can they can get, get planes the planeswalkers, walkers, but not that. Okay, okay, I'm with you. Okay, four-seasoned Hollowblade. So this is like an Esper aggro deck. Is that kind of what's happening here? Yeah, 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 there's more. Four Brazen Borrower. Okay, okay, love it, love it. Four Sphinx of Foresight. Wow, wow. I haven't seen dude. that since Fires of Invention, man. Oh, I already love this deck. I already want to play this deck. This is great. Four Teferi Time Raveler. Cause? One Dire Tactics. Four Mystical Dispute, two Aethergust, two Dovin's Veto, 25 land of various Esprit types. There's five, five te- There's four, four temples in there, the Shocklands, you can imagine. Which I can tell you already is just going to be the worst part of this deck. That's the main deck. I don't love having to actually cast my spells. I love the deck list. I don't love casting the spells. All right. This sideboard. Oh my god. Oh my lord. <laughs> um apologies. Two Kaya Orzov Usurper. Two Extinction Event. One Dire Tactics. Two Legion's End. I wanna see if you know this one off the top of your head. Three Archon of Absolution. Archon of Absolution. Nope. I do not three, remember. Three in a white, three two flyer. Protection from white. Oh, no way. Creatures can't attack you or a planeswalker unless their controller pays one for each of those creatures. This is like an uncommon from Eldraine, right? It is. Yeah. I remember that card. One one giant killer, one noxious grasp, one glass casket, one aether gust, one veto. What is this deck? Wow, dude. I'll tell you what I'm playing on my stream after this podcast is over. <laughs> I I think I am looking at some kind of a counter Regisaur, like some kind of a disruptive aggro rotting Regisaur deck. I I would have never in my life thought to put Dovin's Veto and Mystical Dispute in my deck with rotting Regisaur. Are are you kidding me? What madness. And Sphinx of Foresight, what? You've got to you got to get that scry 3 to make sure your mana's good, I guess. Uh, that's that's my guess. I think it's fully because like you need to line up those lands in the right order, man. Yeah, so I'm looking at it and I'm like you you sphinx of foresight, you make sure your curve is tight 
and then you discard it to the seasoned hollow blade or you discard it to the regisaur so that you have a counter spell available when the opponent tries to kill the regisaur and then they die and when you go up against any deck that isn't team or reclamation you sideboard into esper control although these archons of absolution this strictly must be for the white aggro deck I, it has to be right because there's like, no other else? deck that's like going wide yeah does really mono green it. care about this mono no. green doesn't care about this no, they'll pay one to attack you with giant monsters yeah it's care. it's mildly inconvenient but it's just it's not really what the game's going to be about oh my goodness this this is a spicy one yeah me? this is yeah i'm i'm 100 going to try this one out and see what it's capable of i love it i mean i i love esper like I, I'm not much of a control mage, but I do love like any random Esper mid-rangey, like Esper decks with creatures in him, sign me up. Sign me up. Yeah, definitely going to try this one out. And I really hope that Kenta gets somewhere with this list because wouldn't that just be amazing? Dude, I've got another. All right. I got another. Lay it on me. All right. This is from Dennis Chan. Never heard of this player. So wishing him luck. Um, and this one is called Sultai Graveyard. Okay, Saltai right. Graveyard. Love it. You, you want me to read it to you like the last one? Yeah, lay it on me. This one's a little more straightforward. Like once I start describing it, you're going to be like, I see what they're doing here. Four Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath. Four Merfolk Secret Keeper. Okay, yep, yep. Four Silver Smoke Ghoul. Do you know what it does? Yeah, that's the, it's the three drop, three one. You can return it from the graveyard to the battlefield if you gain three life. Yep, so there's your combo with Uro. There you go, yep. Yep. Uh, four Glowspore Shaman. Wow. Four, okay, yeah. the Shaman returning to standard. Been a while. I, I don't remember when it was in standard. Yeah, perhaps so. <laughs> Never been here before. Um, and four Rotting Regisaurs, so people still trying to make Reclamation respect the Regisaur. Two Meyer Tritons. Two Ashiok Dream Render. So... Yeah, to mill yourself. Yeah, fill your own their uh, graveyard. Yep, yep. Uh, so maybe somebody will crack a fable passage into Ooh, it on dangerous. camera. Four or, copies or of Thought Erasure into it as you <laughs> pointed out. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. yeah. So four Thought Erasures hit the hand a little bit. Uh, two demonic embrace. Hmm. Sp- oh, okay, because you mill them and then yeah, that's yeah. a cool, that's a cool way to do it. You put it on the dinosaur, mm-hmm. yeah. Or even an Aura. I mean, that's got to feel pretty good. Ooh. Three Timurit Calls the Dead. Makes sense. On theme, right? 27 land. So just a splattering of all kinds of Sultai lands, and there's 27 of them. That was really a lot higher than I expected. Because they're, they're not playing Growth Spiral, right? Nope. There's no. So the only like ramp they're running is just Aura? Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's, they, that they, does they seem just want to be sure. Yeah. They just want to be sure. And they have four glow spore shamans. Yeah, like, yeah. That is huh. That is odd. It feels like they could hit their land if they wanted, but mm-hmm. here you go. And then the sideboard, this is another swerve sideboard. Like we talked about the Esper midrange becomes Esper control after sideboard if it wants to. This one, listen to this sideboard. Three casualties of war, four noxious grasp, three duress. Three enter the God Eternals and two eliminate. That's why it has 27 land, because after sideboard, it's becoming Sultai control with casualties of war. 
I love it. You know what I love about it is that I just feel like it's been a while since we've seen this style of magic. Like transformational sideboards, I feel like used to be quite a feature of standard. And it was a thing that you could expect, you know, a number of decks to be doing in any given meta. And it's just been a really long time since we've seen that. And I'm not quite sure why that is. Maybe it's just because most archetypes that we're playing at the moment are so solidified already that it's kind of like plan A is good enough and you just tweak the deck to for your matchup. But I, I love seeing this and I especially love seeing this late in a meta, right? Because you have such an established meta game. It's clear that players putting these decks together are just trying to do like a pretty hard swerve, right? Like the main deck is a swerve. And then the sideboard is kind of like a little bit closer to your typical Sultai build that you might see on the ladder. So the reason, and I, I'm pretty confident about this. I've heard people, I've heard people on the players tour talk about this. Around this time last year, all the Mythic Championships switched to open deck list. Uh, and they said it was so coverage could use cardboard live. But obviously, there's other things with that, like sharing the deck lists on the internet. And open deck list takes a lot of the fun out of your transformational sideboard plan, right? Because they know it's coming. And I think a lot of people are scared to devote sideboard space to something that the opponent sees coming. What I would say, what I like about it, though, is like you still don't have to bring it in. No. Yeah, the mind games, right? Well, and and the cool thing is that your transformational sideboard is actually your main deck, right? So like that's the real swerve here is that they've, I feel like that's next level. It's next level transformation. People can expect a sideboard swerve, but they're not going to be teched for the main deck swerve. So it's hard to tell. I mean, I, I assume these are, you know, excellent players who have tested their decks and whatnot, but I'm really curious how these main decks line up against the other main decks in the field because Clearly, you wouldn't sleeve one of these up without thinking that you had a pretty good game one, right? Like, that's the reason to, to play these decks in the first place, is that you think that your game one swerve is going to get you somewhere. I also want to mention really quick, I mean, good conversation, but I want to make sure I get this in here. Ken Yukihiro, brewer extraordinaire MPL member, another one of the Japanese players who seems to have a new brew for every deck, is also on the Esper midrange list, and so is Shintaro Ishimura. So we have at least three Japanese players I have found who believe in Regisaur Esper. Interesting. Counter, counter Dino. That's what it should be called. Counter, counter Dino, Dino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Reggie's Veto. That's what I'm going to call this deck. <laughs> so uh, do you think that they're on a testing team together? Uh, they have. I mean, if they didn't test this, somebody's just freaking irresponsible. If somebody sent you this by email and you had a players tour, like a huge money tournament tomorrow, would you just be like, yep, this is fine? <laughs> Maybe you would. I shouldn't ask you this. <laughs> I, okay. I don't appreciate the dig, by the way, but, you know, we'll, <laughs> we'll let it fly because I'm a nice you, guy. No, no, you're a wild card. Right, right. You, who knows? I do like swerving off the matter for sure. But this one I'm curious about is that it, clearly you'd, you'd want to test it. But what I'm curious about is whether these three players specifically got together and tested this deck or because I know that sometimes this happens, like sometimes it's just a Japanese matter. You know what I mean? Like sometimes mm, like fair. they'll have a PT 
in Japan, and it's the message just looks different. There's just this local funk that we get out of Japan, which I mean is keeping the game super interesting. Like I'm super thankful for it. But that's what I'm curious about here. Hey,、mm. makes me want to go look at Haruyuya's website and see if this deck has been showing up. Yeah, I'm just curious whether like this is a general thing that's happening, or whether it was just this handful of players had a cool idea and they just. Rooted up, you know. It's possible. It's possible. I, I I'm still excited. I'm. I'm let's, oh, let's absolutely. Some Esper dinos, man. Yeah. Esper dinos. Esper dinos. <laughs> you gotta love it. All right. There's a final list here that I just wanted to highlight.、Um, Madu Winota. So let's pull this up because this is a deck that's been kind of floating around, and I haven't. You know, it 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 just seemed like it wasn't really going to pick up any steam, but apparently、um, Michael Jacob has decided this deck is worth playing. And actually, right before I jumped on this recording, I watched Michael smash a Team Erec matchup playing this game,、uh, playing this deck. So let's read this one off quickly. The creature suite is four selfless savior to protect the、uh, Winota, of course. Four venerated Loxodon. So that tells you something about the deck. One knight of the Ebon Legion, three, three copies of Judith the Scourge Diva, three Woe Striders, three Kite Sail Freebooters, three Lazatev Reavers, one General's Enforcer, four Basri's Lieutenant. What? Yes, four Basri's yes! Lieutenant. Finally, somebody playing this my card. Man. All right. Yes. One Tajik Legion's Edge, four Winota Joiner of Forces. And then, of course, in the instant slot, they're playing the obligatory four raise the alarm. The land base is an interesting mix of Mardu lands.、Um, nothing particularly exciting going on here. They are running one copy of Castle Emberith to go along with their gently going wide game plan. And then they are running Gigantha、um, as their companion, which is cool. We also have a giant killer, a noxious grasp, one Kenrith. Interesting sideboard Kenrith as opposed to, I you know I I don't I, clearly I haven't tested the deck, but I would be interested in maybe running one main deck just to spike off your Winota. Two devout decree, one D Spark card, which I've you know always happy to see in standard. One eliminate, one general Kudro of Dranith, another general's enforcer, two legion war bosses, another kite sail freebooter. And everyone's worst nightmare: two copies of the Blight Beetle. So, <laughs> so, so, okay, like, wow, is all I have to say about this deck. Is wow, this person knows they know that they want to go wide. They know that they want to get maximum value out of Judith. I mean, like playing Venerated Loxodon, Judith, Lazatep Reaver. So one of the things I love about this deck is that okay, of course this deck has like excellent draws into Winota, but the cool thing about this deck is that this deck can just get you dead anyway, right? Like this deck can just flood the board, play a Loxodon, drop a Judith, swing for you know a million. So I don't know, like how are you processing this CGB? The first thing is I, I love to look at the pilots. Michael Jacob has been playing Magic for a long time,、um, and Has never, never shied away from doing something different, from doing something that nobody sees coming. The last time I played in U.S. Nationals was like this is like 2005, I think something like that. Michael Jacob was there, and I was like he, the the meta was like 
freaking Urzatron and Standard. I'm not kidding. Like Mono Blue Tron and Tooth and Nail. That was the meta. It was big mana, power. All right. Kind of like Nissa and Ugin, people thought this meta might be. And Michael Jacob is there playing ravenous rats and chittering <laughs> yes. rats. Like this, this, this blue, blacky rat deck that just no, the opponent can never get their tooth and nail to work because you take all their cards away first. And it was, it, he, he had a high finish, like in the top 20. Like, and it was kind of, it was nutty to watch him playing. Uh, I think he had like swords. I think there was like sort of fire and ice that he would put on these rats. Wow. Like I oh, I loved watching him. Rat and if blade. you want to watch him, he is Darkest Mage on Twitch. Oh, um, okay. I didn't put that together. Yeah, I've actually yep. watched, you know, he's been a longtime streamer and uh yeah, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, super yeah. super talented, interesting guy. Right on. We yeah, we used to go to the same game store and I was always like that guy. <laughs> Keep an eye on he's, that guy. That, keep an eye on that guy. He's cool. Like, <laughs> like he always had some. Like, if if I finished a, a match, the first place I went was mm. to find where he was playing to see mm-hmm. what the heck is he running. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh, shout out to Darkest Mage on Twitch, Michael Jacob, running this very interesting take on Mardu Winota. And I will tell you, it's not going to matter if it's the best deck for the field. He's going to know it better than anybody else knows it because he puts in the work. I am confident that this didn't appear out of nowhere. I actually love it. I think that there's a lot of traps in this style of deck. Like people think you have to have Generals Enforcer because Indestructible is important or people... Uh, get obsessed like like you see a Kenrith. You want Kenrith in the main because it seems like power, you know, things like that. The Loxodon, the Basri's Lieutenant, the Judith, like this is this is a three color beat down deck. It has the power. The Lieutenant is the the like the Lieutenant is a great card. It's a ton of stats, and you hit it off Winota. It puts so much aggression on the field so this is a deck full of not the haymaker unfair rob you of you know former winota's past like uh with uh agent of treachery and angrass marauders this is just pure stats and the opponent has to answer it right that's the thing the opponent has to figure out how to answer it well if there's a lieutenant on the board you just get a whole bunch of knights you instantly refill yourself if they actually manage to kill everything it's kind of gross. You know, one of my favorite cards in the list is Woe Strider, right? Yeah, yeah, because the Woe Strider. Who would saw that coming? Woe Strider, it's just basically Lazatep Reva number two, right? Like, that's that's how I read it, but it has a little bit of extra play, right? So one of the things I love about, like, when I look down this list, this deck has so much play. This deck has so many little edge cases. It has so many fun things that you can do. Like, um... You know, let's get a plus one, plus one counter on that goat. Why not? You know, <laughs> o- opponent rats. Yeah. You know, opponent rats us. Let's get some scries in there. You know, top decking. Let's get that woe strider back from the graveyard. There's a lot going on here. Uh, just like you were saying, if I was going to play this deck, I would have to get in a lot of reps to just wrap my head around all of the fun stuff you can do. Never mind. I mean, you know, the sideboard is just full of spice. And another thing that I love about it, which is, again, is just kind of an edge case, but I'm sure it comes up. There are just so many different colored mana symbols in this deck, and you've got a Gigantha in your sideboard. This might be one of the more relevant, like, Gigantha companion decks. Like, a lot of these decks just run Gigantha just because it's free, and obviously this one is doing that as well. 
But I don't know. I, just, I wonder if Gigantha doesn't end up being more relevant in this deck than it than it does in some others. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is great. I'm definitely. I I hope that he goes the distance. I would love to see this deck in the top eight. Okay, so before we head out here, we just wanted to have a quick little ban discussion because this has been coming up. A lot of people have been talking about it, raising an eyebrow, and I'm sure that the results of this weekend are going to... They're going to do something in this conversation as well. So, CGB, what's on your mind as far as the standard format and whether bans are indicated? Historically speaking, with Wizards of the Coast and their approach to bans, it usually follows like some kind of a competitive calendar, what's going on, and they treat it often like a last resort. And it feels that way, right? We all pretty much have to break it. We have to break the format and then something gets banned. It's very like I remember when they didn't ban Felidar Guardian, which was part of a two-card infinite combo that killed on turn four that was legal in standard. And I remember when they didn't ban it, and their reason was, we're going to let you guys figure it out. Well, three days went by, and then they emergency banned it. I'm not kidding. Three days after a BNR announcement, because everybody knew that this was just it. They banned some other stuff, they waited three days, then they banned freaking Felidar Guardian. Maybe it wasn't three, uh, but it was definitely like less than a week, because somebody out there is going to be correcting me. Um, so I, I think that the plan is going to be for Wizards of the Coast to let the format run its course through to rotation. And I think that they're going to see it as a quote-unquote opportunity to get people to play more Historic. Because Historic is the next Arena Open. It's the next Mythic Invit... I think they're calling it a Mythic Invitational. It's the next Mythic level event. Okay. So this is traditionally how they act. They're like, all right, well, it's a dead standard anyway, which is what they call it right before standard rotates. So just let it be. And we don't have to ban anything. We don't have to ruffle any feathers. We basically don't have to. Nobody, Ian Duke or whoever is doing it, doesn't have to type up the reasoning why statement that everybody is going to read and analyze every syllable of. So that's what I expect to happen. And I feel strongly that Magic would be a better game if we stopped doing this. Stop trying to use bad formats to manipulate your player base into trying a different aspect of your game. Like, there is an option here to make a format exciting with very low cost. Traditionally, if you banned stuff and there were paper tournaments like Friday Night Magic, the person who just saw Teamer Reclamation win the player's tour and put up 55% of the meta, like they just invested in this deck, and then you ban it, and now that person has nothing to play for seven weeks, that is collateral damage. That is not good. It's not good for the game. But that is not a problem right now. We don't have these events. People aren't going out to play these events. These, uh, I don't think Wizards is sanctioning Friday Night Magic anywhere. I mean, I could be wrong about that, but in, in at least my part of the world, nobody's going out to play Friday Night Magic. So with that not on the line, I, I think that Wizards should stop trying to use bad formats as a motivation to play other formats and instead make those formats good or at least different. Do something. We have seven weeks of waiting for rotation. We all have some time 
There's still a lot of quarantine stuff going on, and we still make time for magic. I love magic. You love magic. Give us something exciting to do in the format we want to play. And if you don't want to ban stuff, I, I think that they should ban Wilderness Reclamation to Fairy and Grow Spiral tomorrow. Like, as soon as the tournament is done, just make it an announcement, like, in, like, the last round of the tournament. And give us, like, give us some time to at least see what the format is without them. And I wouldn't mind if they threw in Cauldron Familiar, to be honest. <laughs> I really wouldn't. That wouldn't make me, that wouldn't make me sad either. But yeah. I, I think they should. I think they should just get those cards out. They're about to rotate anyway. We've all seen enough of them. We're all sick of them. Now, if they don't want to do that, okay, unban everything. <laughs> Be- like we're in this middle road you know what i mean yeah. where it's like we're refusing to take action so we're going to leave everybody unhappy because there's a format that we can't play dude we've got a few weeks left unban everything you can ban it again as soon as the next set comes out just fine let us go nuts let yeah. us see what the heck once upon a time oko to fairy wilderness reclamation jeskai fires luca looks like you know <laughs> well i mean just do something yeah make a splash because now is the time there's a it's a perfect time to just tear the meta apart and let us try to put it back together in seven weeks because that's that's when it's fun i don't think anybody out there is going to argue that the first like Four weeks of a meta when everything is possible is the most exciting to play magic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, so yeah. I, I hope they, they should just tear it up. What do you think? I'm with you. I think it would be nice to see some kind of a change, especially since, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think that there are any like huge wizard sanctioned standard tournaments coming up until rotation, right? Like where this is kind of it, right? There might be a Red Bull. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. I, I really don't know what their schedule is. Yeah. So it just seems to me it's clearly established that people are tired of the standard meta the way it is. I mean, personally, I think Wilderness Wreck and Teferi should have gone, you know, back when you and I were talking about them going. It's kind of a byline for a lot of people. Who's surprised that the meta looks the way it does today? Nobody. Literally nobody. This is word for word exactly what we all said was going to happen. During that conversation about the bands, what were the two decks that we were talking about that were going to rise up and be top of the meta? Team Wreck and Bant, and that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, there were some fun surprises. Mono Green rose up, Mono White rose up for a moment. You know, it's not like nothing happened, but the the broad strokes is just exactly what basically everyone thought was going to happen. And that's kind of sad and it's just kind of boring you know it's like if you already know what a met is going to look like when a ban announcement is made it's the wrong ban announcement in my opinion agreed i i think that's a good philosophy right there yeah i, I really do and it like okay it's one thing if gabriel nasif knows what the mats is going to look like he's a or seth manfield like they're freaking geniuses right but if your average player knows what it's going to look like and then it ends up that way it's a bad thing so I'm definitely, whatever it is, I just want to see a shakeup at the moment. Here's a question I have for you. This is the most common reason that I hear just like randos online saying for why they wouldn't ban Teferi is that, 
there's going to be this flash deck that's going to rise up and the counter spells and they're going to ruin the format and everything's going to suck. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, what mythic flash deck are you talking about, which is just going to come and ruin everything? Like, is Rewind really going to take over the format? Is Mystical Dispute and freaking, you know, the Lizard Wizard, are they really going to be the cards at the top of the meta game? I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it. Is there any stock in this whatsoever? Well... By your own argument, if I could predict exactly what would happen with a ban announcement, it would be the wrong ban announcement. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, um, I mean, that's the thing. Like, wouldn't that be f- good, though? At least it's different. Those decks aren't torturing anybody except uh, the occasional person on, like... F- uh, on ladder, you know, gets get Simic Flash. I, I can tell you, I don't think Simic Flash is going to beat Jun Food. Like that deck is that deck goes turn two Mayhem Devil, and then does about fifty other things while you are trying to figure out how to get your rewind turn set up. What that that's that's what's gonna that's what you're afraid of. It's I, like I don't know, man. That Seth Manfield Simic Flash deck did really well in that one tournament. Lost, by the way, to Jund Food uh, in the finals. And apart from that, like, what top finishes did Simic Flash ever really put up? I mean, it was a strong deck at various points, but never, it never had the kind of dominance that we're, you know, seeing any of these other decks have. So it, it just seems like a totally fallacious argument to me. And I don't really know who, where it started or what high level people are actually adding fuel to that fire. Oh, nobody is. It's, um, these are, these are players who really don't like Simic Flash, and there are a lot of them. If you want to do metagame research on not what is good, but what players have feelings about, my, I have a, I have a beautiful archive of data on this. You can go to my YouTube, you can pull up the videos feed, and look at the thumbs down. Just, just scroll and just note which ones have the big thumbs down. It's always Simic Flash. It's always just like Jeskai Luca might have set a freaking record. Nexus of Fate, you know. It's there's always a villain. There is always a villain. It's it's supposed to be this way, actually. Agreed. Agreed. So yeah, I I'm with you. I mean, like Ban to Fairy, Ban Wilderness Wreck, Shaw Ban Growth Spiral. Why not? Um, I think one of the things I just wanted to highlight as well in this conversation is that. And and this has been kind of coming up in this last week as people iron out the historic meta. And what people have basically realized is that the top decks in the historic meta are just exactly the top decks in the standard meta. Um, with the, you know, with the exception of Bant. I mean, Bant Field is kind of the way to do that, which is something different. But like the two decks that seem to be having the highest performance and are the most endorsed by like top level players at the moment. Uh, wilderness reclamation and Rakdos sacrifice and you know and john sack maybe you know people are kind of still working out which sack deck is better if you look at these deck lists they're like standard decks with one to two new cards in them and better mana and that's it i mean that's really it and that should tell you something about throne of eldraine is just too much man it's too much when the cards in your Arena Eternal format, the best cards in that format are also the best cards in your standard format, that should tell you something about your standard format. 
So I don't know. I just think that that's something, that's a piece of this puzzle here as well. And I think that it just highlights that, you know, cards like Oro, cards like Growth Spiral, cards like Wilderness Reclamation, Cat Oven, these cards aren't going away. You know what I mean? They're at the absolute top of the arena ladder, and they basically have been for months. So... Yeah, I think there's like this there's a deeper there's a deeper rot here. It's like this whole thing is kind of rotting in the core. And I don't know. I just like I think that stronger actions need to be taken to ensure that magic is going to be fun to play for the next year as well. Yeah. Were you around for Mirrodin? I was not. I've heard many tales of like the artifact, the reign of artifact terror. You were around for Kaladesh for energy? Yes, I was. Okay. So the the conversation I'm trying to have that kind of draws on those is those are cases of busted set themes. The artifact theme was pushed too hard. It was busted. So every deck for the entirety of Mirrodin's legality had to be based around an artifact meta until that deck like from multiple waves of bannings was basically shut down and even then you know there were still artifacts here and there causing trouble until they actually got rid of all of the important pieces kaladesh energy you know on the vehicles first i mean they had to get rid of smuggler's copter too but energy was just this this and energy and vehicles were omnipresent and even through multiple waves of bannings and the vehicle thing, like the Heart of Cure and Red Black deck was just there till the end. Till That's the right. End. They, As I remember it, they banned at least three energy cards, didn't they? They banned, um, they, they banned the Marvel, of course. They banned the, uh, the sorcery that fetched up a land. A tune with Aether. A tune with Aether. And they banned the Rogue Refiner. That's right. And even after all of those things, wasn't the energy deck still pretty good? Am I remembering it that correctly? It was around. Yeah. It was around. It was like the um, deck was still playable after three bannings. It was playable, but it got pushed uh, It got pushed out by Black Red and Mono Red. Like, basically, Red Aggression took over from there because of Heart of Kirin, which uh, they didn't take action on as kind of the last absolutely stupid broken two-mana 4-4 four, four Vigilant Flyer that can be turned on by a Planeswalker standing. Uh, I... I so I'm what I'm trying to say is those were themes and those themes had to be gradually scaled down at, they were themes present within a set so the whole set went away the theme went away Eldraine there are themes and there are cards and all of it's busted like like the adventure theme is really freaking powerful it's kind of absurd that we are never complaining about the adventure deck being OP. Because look at it. It's just a deck of two-for-ones in card draw. Like, like it's well, going to be a nightmare. We're not complaining about it yet, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, so, but, like, that's... If, if, the, if adventures were OP, we'd be waiting for the mechanic to rotate, or we'd have to nerf the mechanic. And it would be easy, right? You'd ban Innkeeper and Clover, and we'd probably be done. All right, or it would rotate and it would be gone. But it's not. It's the whole freaking set. It's it's unbelievable to think that Fires of Invention was in this set because what's that got to do with adventure? What does it have to do with freaking anything? Food, right? Cauldron Familiar, Witches Oven, Oko, all part of the set. 
freaking broken food mechanic because it's just free resources. It's just free, free, free. Um, so it's not, it's going to dominate. It's going to dominate whatever ever format it's a big part of, uh, standard and historic until historic gets a lot more sets, but that's coming. Um, and I'm not surprised even a little bit that historic looks like standard. I mean, look what, if what's better, let me, let me pose you a question. What's better? We're going to get the, the gang together, okay? What is actually better in terms of power level? I'm going, you, on one side, of you have the army. It's Ixalan, rivals of Ixalan, Dominaria, led by Teferi, hero of Dominaria himself, um, all of M19, and then I'll even throw in guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance. The six united sets versus one throne of Eldraine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd probably take the throne. I mean, <laughs> yes, yes, you would. Well, and and when every you, time. I mean, when you look every at time. like throne as a base, right? Thrones like the base coat, and then you just throw in a couple of uh, just a couple of cards from Theros, a couple of cards from Ikaria, a couple of cards from M twenty one. And like, there's just no contest. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just absolutely no contest. And so, yeah, you're right. It's like, what what are the most powerful cards that we can list from those old sets? Like when Teferi, Hero of Dominaria is like one of the most powerful cards from all of those sets. I mean, that card just gets lulled off the battlefield by these new sets. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's a, he's an elder statesman. He's over the He's over the hill at this point, so... Yeah, it's it's a strong point. It's a really strong point, and um, I don't know that something's going to have to happen. I hope it happens sooner rather than later, for the sake of everybody. Because, because I'll tell you what, you know, I played some Jumpstart, and I didn't love it. I'm already done with it. You know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. If Jumpstart was supposed to be the thing that was going to make me excited about Magic right now, it wasn't it for me. If the Amon Cat remaster is supposed to be the thing that makes me excited about magic, I'm not sure that it will. Just like you said, we can't just expect these these new things to be added to solve something that's fundamentally rotten at the core. So I, I totally take your point. I think it's an excellent point that you make. And what world are we living in where that doesn't just sound more fun, right? Like who like who really thinks it wouldn't just be more fun to shake things up. Mm -hmm. And like, isn't that why I we agree. play magic, right? Like we play magic to have fun. One would hope so. <laughs> One would hope. Well, um, you know, point taken CGB. I think that you're right on the money and wizards, you know what to do or do you? All right. I think that's going to wrap it up for today's show. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Thanks for sticking with us. This is a bit of a long one here. You can find ArenaCraft podcast in most of the places that you would want to find it by searching on that name. You can join the Discord. It's a good place to hang out, chat deck lists, get more information about the show and what's going on. And uh, you can find Covert Go Blue on his YouTube channel, Covert Go Blue. You can also find him on his Twitch stream, Covert Go Blue. He streams Monday through Thursday, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to come back next week. And I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to be discussing next week, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Always is, man. 
Right on. Always is. Hey, why don't why don't you jump in Discord? Tell our Juno what you, you think we should talk about, and it better not be limited. <laughs> shots fired. Preliminary shots fired. All right. Have a good week, and we'll catch you next time. Later. Do you, do you